Welcome back, everyone. We're at another episode. Father Kevin's trying to be a hermit. Uh, Not right trying, now. am. And, uh, okay, well, that's true. That's that's very true. Okay. Well, uh, you did just have a chotkey, right? That you were showing I did us? just have a chotkey. Yes, it belonged to a uh, priest from our diocese who had passed away. His name was Father John Eaterer, and he was by ritual. So he would sometimes offer a uh, Byzantine divine liturgy in Bay City. And when I was a priest in Saginaw, his brother was a parishioner. And so he kind of asked me to be the middleman with all of Father John's priestly stuff. What do we do with all this priestly stuff? And so I was kind of the middleman to help distribute some of the different vestments and everything. But I decided to keep this and I also kept a uh, gosh what do you call it a pall it's like that little square thing that a priest will sometimes put over top of the chalice so that flies don't get in he had a really beautiful uh, pall that I sort of took as well so aren't those just called chalice palls yeah probably you're the you're the liturgy but there also could probably be some technical name I know we had well we ordered a couple for here at the parish and I think that's what they're called. And I think I was shocked that they weren't called something fancier. <laughs> they were just called a chalice ball. <laughs> yeah, I wonder where that comes from. P-A-L-L. Hmm. I'm going to investigate. You ladies can mingle. Okay. Father okay. apparently is our fact checker well, for the uh, episode. But I don't get paid any different. Well, I mean... <laughs> we're getting paid? We were just breaking out into song. <laughs> well, Ooh, I found uh, it. No, I... Okay, what is it called? <laughs> so it comes from the Latin pallium, which means covering or cloak. Well, there you have it. I thought that was the thing that... Well, the, wait, well then what's that. the thing that bishops, like archbishops and the Pope wears that thingy? Um, I, I think that's... Well, the pectoral head cross. Like but are you talking about, like, pallium? their vestments at Mass? <laughs> no, yeah, like here, the white, I'll look it up. Oh my gosh. It's like a man, not a mantle. I know exactly no, what she's talking about. No, it's not the pectoral about. cross. I do too, but... Because hmm. it's got the crosses and they got yeah. the, like, the uh, gold m- things that go... Oh, pallium. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah, oh, that thing. okay. Nice. Liturgical vestments. There you go. All of the technical names of everything. Very cool. Which is fun. So, uh, but anyways, welcome back, everyone. We, uh, I wish we would have recorded maybe 10 minutes ago because you would have caught uh, Mary-Kate and Father Kevin singing whatever song that was. I still don't, I know the song, but I don't know the name of it. So, A Thousand uh, Miles, is that what it's called? Yeah. Is it Vanessa uh, Carlson or who, who was the artist? Yeah. yeah. Making my way downtown. Yeah. That one. The, okay. Yeah. And normally I know the names of songs, but... I couldn't, for the life of me, remember that one. So that was my anticipatory one joy. Was singing that. That's that's my anticipatory one joy. Were okay. you technically allowed to be singing that, Father? It lifted my soul up to God, so I think it should count. <laughs> a little bit of context for people: I'm doing something called Exodus 90, and it includes a vast array of different sacrifices and ascetical practices. And one of the disciplines is that you can only listen to music that lifts your soul up to God. Well, then it becomes this controversial question. How do you know if a song is lifting your soul up to God? And I would say that song lifted my soul up to God. So there you have it. All right. 
All right. Well, that works. What are some other things that you have to do for Exodus 90? So the, just, the three pillars so, are um, fraternity, prayer, and sacrifice. So fraternity, you meet once a week um, as brothers. So there's six of us from the parish who are doing it. And uh, let's see. Um, and then we each day you have to check in with someone called an anchor. So each day you're talking to somebody about how the day went, if you had any um, challenges with any of the disciplines in particular. Um, prayer, uh, prayer is essential to all of this because the whole goal is that it's not just that you get through 90 days worth of challenges, but that the 90 days transforms you. It transforms your heart, it transforms you to become a better man, father, husband, so that by day 91, um, you can be kind of like launched out after having this reset. So um, prayer is about an hour of prayer each day is the ideal. And then the uh, sacrifices, the ascetical disciplines, there's um, a number of things that happen. So for 90 days, um, there's no desserts, no alcohol, no snacking between meals. Um, Wednesdays and Fridays, you can have one meatless meal. Um, let's see, cold showers every day, um, exercise three times a week, and uh, no no screens pretty much. So like no TV, no using your phone for anything that's not work-related. So no YouTube or any of the other apps. Um, yeah, I think that's most of it. So, and again, the whole idea, so that the name of it is Exodus. So it's supposed to go back to the book of Exodus and how the Israelites were led out of the slavery of Egypt into the freedom of the promised land and how each and every one of us um, have some sort of attachment, some sort of slavery or addiction to these just unhealthy attachments that prevent us from having that interior freedom to be able to grow in our relationship with the Lord and with others, it holds us back from being able to more fully give of ourselves, um, particularly as men, for this program. So it's a good way to help you identify what those attachments are and uh, experience that freedom to help you become a more um, loving and, and self-sacrificial man. So it's just a we're about a weekend or so, and it's it's obviously it has its challenges to be sure, but it's it's also it's already brought forth some uh, some graces and some blessings for myself and some of the other guys as well. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. So, and, and I know other people that have done it and they um, have greatly benefited from it. So for some, you know, if anybody's looking to do something, I don't know if you, do you always start right before Easter? Can you do it any time of the year? You could do it any time of the year. It's, it's helpful to end the 90 days on a big deal, like, uh, like Easter or Christmas or something like that. So um, that's recommended. And I think they do even have like a 40 day version of it. So you could do it during Lent. And I know there's several different programs out there for ladies as well. There's, I think, Magnify 90 and Fiat 90. And I think they even have 40 day versions of it as well. So depending on when this episode comes out, it might be something where um, people want to look into it and possibly do something like this for um, Lent. If they, if they don't want to do the whole 90-day mm -hmm. version, they can at least start with the 40-day version. Cool. Mm -hmm. Always good to detach from material and worldly things. Mm -hmm. Set mm -hmm. our eyes on heaven. So exactly. well, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Mary Kate, you are leading the episode and you have not told us at all what the topic is. So they have, have no it. idea, guys. Should I keep them? Should I keep them in suspense or should I just tell them? You just tell us. I'll just tell them. <laughs> so up until probably two hours ago, I was like, man, what am I going to lead an episode about? And I was like, okay, God. Give me it. What what should we talk about? So 
Jesus wants us to talk about youth ministry. Oh. So a couple a couple weeks ago, I think Emma posted, you did, because I shared it, uh, a video of me being absolutely pummeled by some of my youth group kids with marshmallows at our Christmas party. <clears throat> and they... They enjoyed it a little bit too much. Um, and so I thought it might be a good idea to kind of expand on um, on that video and uh, talk about our experiences with youth ministry and uh, what what youth ministry is, what it should be, um, and kind of give give some helpful uh, helpful hints about how to really engage the kids. So that's what we're going to be talking about, guys. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Cool. I support. I support because I so, think it's a definitely it's a needed area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what's your so, first question, Mary Kate? I guess, I guess my my take on it so far, because I mean, we just started meeting uh, like beginning of November regularly, my youth group. Um, and so, kind of what I've been doing is I've been kind of trying to engage the kids with food. Um, I bring them chips, you know, juice, things like that. Cause kids, they like that kind of stuff. Um, and then we have the topic for the day and we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit and then we'll have tons of games and, and whatnot. And in the Christmas party that I had was just games. It was just a, a fun time of, of just going whole hog, whole hog, having fun, um, and then uh, coming up, we're going to be doing a Chronicles of Narnia series where we watch half of the film, discuss it, and what uh, what f- Christian themes are in it because it's an inherently Christian work. Um, and then end the end the evening with games. Um, and so that's that's kind of what what I've been doing with the kids is okay. You got to have fun. You got to um, have some food because kids like food. Um, and then you talk about Jesus and I'm, I'm working on building my relationship with them. So that way they can look to me and say, okay, what's different about Mary Kate? Um, and how does she live for Jesus and how can I learn from her? Um, cause I think all of my kids have a generally pretty good knowledge of, of the basics of the faith, but, um, I want to take them deeper kind of a thing. So Mm-hmm. That's kind of what what I've been doing with them is is including those things so that it, they uh, keep coming and keep learning and go from there. So, what about you, Emma? Because I know you're you're in this business too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I found that a meal, right, eating, uh, sitting down, and having those conversations, it really does take down a lot of walls, right. And it opens kids up because especially I have an interesting mix between those who might be homeschooled or those who go to a public or private school, right? And so those who go to like the public or private school, they have that lunchroom kind of setting. And that's where a lot of conversations happen, right? Uh, That's a lot of you get to know people at that kind of setting. And so to try to uh, almost replicate that to some degree. Uh, where you're sitting down talking with the kids. I try to sit down and uh, during the dinner time and talk with, you know, a table, right? And I try to rotate just to kind of check in with the kids and see what's happening and uh, in, in building those relationships too, right? And then also the fun and games are important. 
because uh, it also helps building that team and it gets people to know each other. Uh, but then also we can't forget the importance of then the formation, right? And it, it's it's interesting. I, I, I try to take the approach of that there's, uh, you know, we're called to leisure, right? Like there is a theology, quote unquote, theology of leisure, right? And, and what does this look like to, we have fun, um, but it's, it, there's a, it's, a, it's not just a lazy, slothful kind of thing. Like we're not falling into this laziness, but we are humans that experience joy and we can have fun, right? And we can have productive fun, especially in community with one another. So there's this idea of it's not just we come and eat and we have a lesson, but to really instill this fact that we are allowed to have fun. Like our Christian faith is meant to be joyful, right? And it's not just meant to mm-hmm. be serious and sorry to try to incorporate um, fun and games and such, but then also taking that serious time for formation and for teaching, uh, because we're, we're never we're, we're called to never stop learning about our faith, right? Um, and we're we're called to to continuously learn and use our knowledge then to impact our hearts and then impact what we do with our hands, right? And, and how we we show that. So I my structure is similar to that. And uh, at the beginning of the year, I even asked all of the kids, like, what are some topics that you would like to learn about, right? Now, I had to vet some of the topics, right? Um, you know, maybe if they got too deep or if they were too nitty gritty, uh, like, okay, maybe this isn't the setting for that, right? Uh, or I combine a couple of topics, but I try to hit things that they're interested in. And obviously, there are things that through prayer, I'm like, okay, I think this is a topic that maybe we should hit on, right? Uh, and and so then I present that um, or I find a speaker to come in and present that too. But uh, I try to incorporate all of those elements in some capacity, right? To just try to keep them engaged, uh, but also uh, to foster the relationships amongst themselves and with those adults helping with the kids as well. So, Yeah, that's really good. I actually just did similar because we're planning our big summer event. Um, we're starting to plan it. And the kids want to help plan it. Um, and so uh, I sat down at our last meeting and I was like, okay, kids, like we had speakers at our fall event and we're going to have speakers again at the summer event. What are some topics that you want to hear about at this event? And um, they had a lot of different things that they said that they wanted to hear about. And it was really helpful for me um, to say, okay, this is what you want to hear about. Now I just need to find people to talk to it, talk to you about it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, I think that's also really good is seeing, you know, okay, what do you guys want to hear about? Yeah, um, I can share a little bit about um, from my perspective. So, first of all, I would just say that youth ministry was essential in, in my own life. I, I think high school was a time where I, I really delved deeper into my faith. I was asking a lot more of the deeper questions and having a lot more of like difficulties and doubts about my faith. And so um, the experience that I had with high school um, youth ministry was I think really pivotal in my faith and ultimately my vocation. So just like you ladies said, the, the format was really ideal for me. You, you started out and you had either open gym or they had like a Wii and just like some time for just, you know, fun and uh, fellowship and everything. And then there'd be some time of formation. There'd be either a a talk that was given or um, a a video that we watched in a small group discussion. We'd have a time of prayer together and then we'd have pizza. So that's, that's like the, 
I don't know how many things I said. I was going to say trifecta, but I, that might have been more than three phases. But yeah, so like the, the fellowship aspect, the formation, and food. Hey, I think that's, were those three Fs? Yeah, that's fellowship, three. formation. Wow, okay. I should trademark that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was super helpful <laughs> for me. And I, I would even say like at, at that point in my life, there would be some times where I wouldn't even go to youth group if I didn't think that my like best friends weren't going to be going there. So even the formation enough was not enough to, the, the formation alone was not enough to keep me coming back. It, it started out with that fellowship. This is where my friends were. This is where we could have a good time. And I'm willing to stick around for the formation part. Um, but, but yeah, that, that sense of community is, I think, really essential. So that was a positive experience I had, as, as well as the different um, like mission trips and like conferences and retreats that we were able to go on. Um, so that was a very positive experience I had. And so I, I want to try to be able to replicate that, be able to offer that at the parish I'm at now. And we're, we're currently searching for a youth minister. And actually, after a while of not being able to find a um, part-time youth minister, we've actually just come up with this job description of combining with a nearby parish. They're looking for someone to kind of help out with the younger grades. We're looking for a high school youth minister. So we've come up with like one full-time position of someone who can help out as kind of the overseer of um, faith formation for little ones at the other parish and then a youth minister at ours. So that's a little bit of a plug there. But even in the meantime, while we haven't had an official youth group, um, I, I heard of the suggestion that happened at another parish and I tried it here and it's been very fruitful so far. Um, I just talked to a couple of high school kids from the parish and said, hey, like, would, do you think you would come if we were to offer like a Bible study just for high schoolers? And probably the most ideal time to do it would be um, on a weekday morning, like before school, because here the, um, the parish and our Catholic school is just a couple blocks away from the public school where they go to high school. And I had them say, yeah, like we'd, we'd be willing to try that out. So the very first meeting I was anticipating, you know, maybe just those three or four people that I... And it, that I invited and then maybe they would invite like a friend or two and the very first meeting I think we had like 15 to 18 kids that just showed up because they were hungry and there was nothing being offered and so at least something was being offered to help them in their faith and maybe an opportunity possibly for fellowship and ever since then we've had consistent a consistent group of about 12 to 15 kids where we meet and we basically like go over the upcoming Sunday gospel reading and kind of uh, delve into some of the context of it and everything but i have food and i have coffee available and um it is it is kind of funny from my perspective because um i i don't work a ton with teenagers like i work i i'm present in the elementary school a lot but you know then we have parents in the parish who have their teenage kids and so sometimes i can be like a little bit self-conscious or just a little nervous about man, they don't seem to be engaging a whole lot in the Bible study. They don't seem to be asking a lot of questions and whatnot. But then I realized it's 7 a.m. on a school day and you have these kids who are voluntarily here. Like they're showing by their presence that they're getting something out of it and they're appreciating it. So that kind of keeps me motivated. But that, that can sometimes be a challenge, right, with, with working with um, teenagers especially and just um, that beautiful face of their life. And sometimes it's, it's difficult to engage with them. But, um, I think what you guys were saying, especially, um, about the aspect of building those relationships and just, um, relating to them on a natural level, I think can end up being a bridge to then take them deeper and offer those opportunities for formation as well. 
Yeah, and I think when you start to develop that relationship with you, they start to trust you. They start to, um, they start to be like, okay, I think I can, I can trust what this person's saying about about Jesus. You know, that kind of that kind of thing. And something I want to get to eventually is be like, okay, what do you what do you kids got going on? Are you in a play? Are you in a sport? Like, I'd love to come and and see you uh, play, whatever. You know, like. Um, to show them that I'm there for them, I'm there to support them, and they can come to me about whatever they want to, and I'm there, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is important. That's huge. Yeah, relational ministry, and it goes back to the adage, like, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And myself as a priest, mm-hmm. like, if I'm not getting to know my people um, they're not necessarily going to care as much about, you know, what I'm preaching or even the way that I preach is going to um, be formed by what experiences are you going through and what are the fears and concerns and joys in your daily life. And that's, um, you, you even think about Jesus and his public ministry. And um, there was the, we actually, so if, if you've watched The Chosen, and I think we've mentioned it on this episode before, um, there's the, I think it's episode three in season one, where Jesus is interacting with the kids. It's a really beautiful episode. It's kind of a standalone episode too. So even if you don't watch the whole series, you can at least watch that one episode. And so there's beautiful interactions that he has with the kids. And one of the insights that somebody I watched it with shared um, was that Jesus in that episode, Jesus spends quite a bit of time at the beginning just building this relationship with the kids and showing that he's trustworthy. And then he gets into certain things having to do with scripture and like teaching them how to pray. But you see them like going fishing and just asking questions about, you know, who are you? And just um, getting to know each other on a natural level. And then, and so if, if that's Jesus's pedagogy, if that's his way of, of teaching and, and forming others, then um, I, I think that's obviously a the model that we need to be able to keep in mind as, as we want to kind of replicate that building those relationships and then um, hopefully bringing that formation afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Emma and I have talked about this too, is that um, youth ministry shouldn't be like an Island. Youth ministers should be working together, should be, um, should be supporting one another. Like Emma crashed our Christmas party. And she was there throwing marshmallows, and you definitely crashed. Um, You told me I could come. Yeah, you asked if you could crash, and I said yes. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, But that's that's the type of thing we need to be doing. Is that youth ministers need to be supporting each other because this is such a important ministry, and I don't think it gets enough. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but I I, I feel like a lot of times it's kind of just tossed to the side, like, oh, youth ministry, we'll work on that eventually. Um, but I really, I, I like I like Emma's ideas of, you know, no, we should be working together. We should be supporting one another. We should be there for each other because it's important. And, and these kids' lives are important. And so we shouldn't be um fighting over hey you have this kid going to your th- your youth ministry and i want them and da 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 and that's not what it's about it's about their spiritual lives and their relationship with jesus and and we need to be supportive of one another right well and i would argue too i mean it's not just youth ministry but it's all levels of ministry right uh that we should be really working together as a, a body of christ and to throw out new ideas and uh, because our primary focus is to help lead people to heaven, 
right? And help lead people into a relationship with Jesus. And so uh, how can we do that? And it can take many different forms. Um, but how are we pointing people, you know, especially especially the, the young people, how are we pointing them to experience Jesus, right? And not just experience. I, I sometimes, it bothers me sometimes using the words of experiencing Jesus, but it's encountering Jesus, right? Because we yeah. encounter people, right? Uh, we don't just experience them, but we encounter people. So how are we truly encountering Jesus to a point where even if it's just a time of eating together, right? Are the are our young people able to look at us and say there's something different about them, and I want that right? Mm-hmm. Like how can we be the models of Jesus, right, um, to help point them in the right direction, right? So it, that's and that's hard. I mean, it's in in today's world and today's society, it's that's definitely not easy to do. But um, sometimes it's just listening to them, right, uh, when they want. To, to, when they want to talk sometimes it's you know having fun and laughing with them i know some of the the young people that come uh on sunday nights they're uh they're always joking with me or making fun of me in, in a good way right um, but i laugh and i i join in with it right uh i mean appropriately right <laughs> like i if they get too off the charts on a topic or whatever i rein them back in but uh to, to, to engage with them right and and to to really almost speak their language to a point, uh, which is hard because their language is a lot different than what it was when we were growing up, right? Yep. Well, and I think it's important too because I don't know how many stories I've heard of either people finding their vocations or um, converting just through youth ministry or World Youth Day or young adult ministry. And that just shows you how important it is um, is that, you know, people are, if, if you're there for them, they're going to encounter Christ. Um, and he's going to lead them on this great adventure. It's like John Paul II said, life with Christ is a wonderful adventure. Um, and if we can be an instrument, a tool that he uses, then so be it, you know? Maybe you could speak too about, um, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but maybe, the significance of that age range. So youth ministry typically is like ninth through 12th grade. And so, like I mentioned earlier, that was a pivotal time for my faith. And, uh, but, but maybe from your observations of actually working with these people, like what is it about that age range specifically that's so important for being able to pour into them with youth ministry? So, uh, so (laughs) the kids that I have are actually, in middle school because i haven't had any high schoolers that are really interested and honestly our parish doesn't have a lot of high schoolers that i've seen so i I feel like my group that i have now is going to be kind of like a feeder group into the high school once we get there um but they're all like yeah fifth to eighth grade um and uh i would say the biggest thing that i've seen um just in general with this age group um is pressures from school or whatnot to be cool um and to be in the in group and um not be one of the outsiders or the weirdos kind of thing and 
what I kind of want to show them is you can love Jesus and be cool. You know, um, you can love Jesus and have a good time and have fun. Um, and if that makes you in the out crowd, so be it. Because the only crowd I want to be in is with Jesus. Um, but that's kind of what I've been kind of trying to show the kids is that you can be fun. You can be cool and love Jesus and have a good relationship with him because ultimately a relationship with Jesus isn't going to be one of these things where you're um, off to the side, not having any fun and you're in this somber mood and whatnot. That's not what it's meant to be. It's like um, this, uh, there was a, a, episode of the chosen um that just came out um this past week well when we're recording um that at the end of the episode it shows jesus just going swimming with his apostles and they start like two of the like i think judas gets on jesus's shoulders and they start playing chicken in in the lake in the sea and it is hilarious it's just this awesome scene of them having a good time and them laughing and, and hanging out and being with their friends. And I think that's important for kids to see is that um, Jesus doesn't want you to be sad. He doesn't want you to be off to the side, just kind of like, oh, I need to be in ashes and wearing sackcloth. No, unless he's specifically calling you to that, that's not what your life is going to be about. Your life is going to be, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You can have a good time and still love Jesus. Jesus laughed. Jesus experienced these human emotions. Um, and it's important for the kids to know that. Jesus isn't some far away, really boring person. He's right next to you and he wants you to have a good time. He wants to have a good time with you. And I think that's that's kind of important for for kids this age to see. Um, I don't know, Emma. What do you think? I, you know, I think uh, I agree hundred percent with everything uh, that you just said too. But and I I want to add. Uh, I've noticed that high schoolers particularly are an age group that they are so desperately looking for something that they're looking for something. Whether it's community, uh, whether it's uh, a, a, some sort of meaning, like what in the world, is, like what what are we supposed to do with life, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And they are experiencing a lot of pressures, a lot of pressures, getting good grades, uh, whether it be scholarship competitions, you know, full ride scholarships, things like that. Uh, there's a lot of pressures, right? But yet, I can tell within their souls that they are longing for something, right? that there's there's something deeper that they're longing for because there's now starting especially your juniors and seniors they're starting to have to make these decisions on their own right where am i going to go to college right or am i going to go to a trade school or am i going to enter the workforce which all good options right uh but then it's it's almost like well is that it right like is, is that it or is there something more right uh and, and so it's how can we point them Right. And this is a question I ask all the time. And it's not just it's not just high school students, they're high schoolers, it's all ages. But how can we point 
any we ourselves uh, point people to what is that more right like there has to be something more and, and what is it and it's I mean Jesus Christ right it's finding our life within the Trinity uh, but I think particularly for these high school students it's finding that and it's finding that sense of community because I don't think that uh, a lot of the community comes because of social media right or through texting or via phone versus in-person community Mm -hmm. and i think that that's something that we also really need to reestablish is uh, the actual in-person community recognizing that we are true people and not artificial like something that we might put up on social media right and so i think that age group it's finding out who you truly are like what is your true identity but then also uh, what it like there's more to life you know there's so much more and yes it, you know the fun and games are important because like I said we, we need that but fun and games aren't going to get us to heaven right mm-hmm. like a relationship with Jesus Christ the one who is the source of all life the way the truth and the life that's where we experience that true joy and happiness that's the more that we're longing for even if we don't recognize that we're longing for it and so I think particularly for that age group, as they're getting ready to transition from living at home you know, with their parents or being in high school, transitioning to now starting to have to make life choices, right? Uh, I think reestablishing that true identity of who we are. Uh, and I'm not even saying I'm perfect at, you know, really knowing who I truly am, right? There are days where my identity and, and recognizing who I am, it can be super low, and there are other days that I'm flying high saying I know for a fact to my deepest core that I am a beloved daughter of the Lord, right? Uh, and I think that's just part of human nature, right? And how Satan tries to attack us, but particularly that's a way that he attacks this this group. So, Yeah, and I feel like, honestly, high schoolers these days are way more stressed out than I ever was as a high schooler. And so it's like, okay where do you what do you do with this stress where do you who do you go to with it um because christ is he's been there he was fully human he knows he knows um and i and i've in my life when i've had those moments of of stress or heartache i know i can go to him because he knows um it's like i don't know a little over a year ago now um, we were um, we were thinking that Jason was going to be going into occupational therapy and then discovered that it was going to take much longer um, than we originally planned on. And we were all over the place like, okay, what do, what do you do now? Where do we go from here? And my father-in-law said, hey, have you guys watched The Chosen? And I was like, I've heard about it, but I haven't really watched it. So I went and I watched it. And one of the scenes is um, Simon, um, who becomes St. Peter. He, and obviously they take some artistic li- license here, but um, he's, he's having trouble paying his taxes and he needs to catch this boatload of fish or else he's in real trouble. And he fishes all night, doesn't catch anything. He comes... Um, to the shore in the morning and Jesus is there preaching. Jesus says, go out, cast your nets again. And you just see this insane catch of fish. 
and Simon is overwhelmed. He gets out of the boat. He falls at Jesus's feet and he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. And when I saw that scene, it broke me because here I was like, Lord, what, what do we do? Where do we go from here? We have three little ones. What do you want us to do? And in that moment, I realized he knows and he's got us. Um, and I think that's what these these kids need to know is that no matter what they're going through in their lives, he knows and he's there and he'll get you through it. You just got to lean on him. He'll be there. And I think that's I think that's what the kids need to know. Yeah, it just makes me have all the more respect for uh, youth ministers. And just, again, it's such a crucial time in a person's life. And uh, it's not like things having to do with faith isn't exactly the most popular thing in in most kids' minds. And you have to wrestle with their sports schedules and all the, the crazy things you know, these days it seems like there's like no opportunity for free time and just to make a schedule work for, for kids to show up at something and you can put all this hard work into it and then like nobody shows up or you don't always get that immediate feedback from teenagers that it's making a difference in their lives. So I just say, you know, kudos and just blessings on those who have invested themselves in this ministry and just word of encouragement. If you are listening and you're already in that world, um, just um, know that for whatever it's worth, like I'm, I'm very grateful for what you're doing. And just, uh, again, it's like the kingdom of God is, uh, you don't always see the fruits, but, uh, if you have this desire, just keep that desire of why did I get into this in the first place? Keep that flame going so that in those moments where it feels, uh, like the challenges are just kind of overwhelming of, of leading something like this, just remember the importance of what you're doing and, uh, just persevere because it's so crucial. I want to yeah. add uh, to that as well. Uh, so, the first reading for Mass today, of the Saturday of the first week in Ordinary Time, uh, it comes from the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 16, and I just want to read the last couple of lines here. So, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace for timely help. And I think that that's just a a good reminder for uh, not only our kids, right? It's the young people that uh, in, the, in the midst of the stress, like we talk about it being a very stressful time, uh, that we confidently can approach our Lord, right? And the throne of grace to receive um, grace and to find grace for our for timely help, right? Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a good reminder for everyone, but particularly it's, you know, Jesus Right? It's the love of the Trinity and the graces that, that they want to bestow upon us that really uh, will transform our lives uh, and really allow for us to flourish, to become who the, the people that we were created to be. Right? As St. Catherine of Siena would say, if you know, be who you were created to be and be who you were made to be, and uh, you would set the world on fire. Right? And so we do that through the throne of grace that, that Jesus wants to give us. So just wanted to throw that out there as well so that struck me from mass this morning mm-hmm. so cool mary kate did you have anything else that you wanted to wrap up with that's what i've got okay it was a good topic it's we probably could sit here and, and talk more about it uh you know it's always it's always an ongoing conversation but um mm-hmm. we'll transition into one joys see what you guys have because i'm still thinking Mary-Kate. I'll go. Oh, Mary-Kate put in those goes. Dang it. Okay, Father Kevin. Uh, 
Okay. Um, one of the books I'm reading right now for some spiritual reading is called Through the Heart of St. Joseph by Father Boniface Hicks. And it's been a really beautiful read. Um, just seems like in this past month or so, um, I've just been connecting with St. Joseph on a deeper level. And just as I grow in my priesthood, my masculine identity, just all these different things, I, I'm just relating more and more to St. Joseph or I'm going to him um, just asking for his prayers and advice because priesthood has its fun days and its good days of just, you know, celebrating the sacraments and preaching and all that stuff. But then you have kind of the hard days and the hard conversations or decisions you have to make and being able to see it through the lens of uh, spiritual fatherhood and just thinking about the challenges that St. Joseph had to face and how he had to seek to live this life of virtue and um, as, as he's trying to lay down his life for his bride and for his children, um, so too that's been kind of an inspiration for me to think about all these just daily blessings and challenges of priesthood through the lens of um, that spiritual fatherhood that um, St. Joseph so beautifully exemplifies. So that book has been a really um, powerful read, and I'd recommend it to folks to consider reading. Cool. Mary-Kate, do you want to go? I got my one, Joy. Okay, go. So listeners have probably heard Father and Emma talk about the book Cantata of Love. Um, and I received it for Christmas from Jason and, um, he was like, Oh, I kind of want to read it after you're done. And I've been reading through it slowly, but surely, um, cause it's got a lot in it. And so you kind of, it's kind of like, you know, you got to take it bit by bit to really fully understand and, and grasp everything. But it was funny because I was reading it one day and I, kept stopping and saying oh jason listen to this oh jason listen to this and he's like i'm not gonna have to read it because you're just telling me everything <laughs> but um i've been really blessed um by what i've been reading in that and uh i really recommend it for anyone who wants to kind of delve deeper into the song of songs which is what it is about so yes my one joy is the cantata of love nice uh so my one joy is an, a book as well. Uh, it is With God in Russia by Father Walter Chizik. If you've never read it, I was actually kind of mad that my little book club, I was like, why has nobody ever told me to read this book? Uh, but it's, it's about this um, Jesuit priest that voluntarily goes to Russia to serve and to minister and gets... Um, then he gets into prison and he's there for several years but uh, just a beautiful story and just I, the lord has used it as a time of just uh renewing of my sense of desire within my heart to really just give my life for the lord right and to give my life for the church and so it was a i think coming come at it a timely uh just a very good time man words are hard some days uh a good time uh, in my personal life too, so that was one joy. My one one joy, but I also have another one. I'm sorry, so I have two. Uh, but there are. I'm just. I am incredibly grateful for the young priests in our diocese. I am just. I am so incredibly grateful for these these young men who have given their lives to the church, right, and to the priesthood of Jesus Christ to serve the church. Father Kevin and, and several others, uh, I, I love them as brothers and uh, true, just good spiritual fathers, right? And I know that they would all say that they're on the journey, 
Um, but to see, as Father Kevin said, like his desire for this, the to to grow in the masculine genius and to to be the spiritual father and to look to Saint Joseph, um, I, I'm just. I'm very grateful and I see the heart of St. Joseph in so many of our young priests in the diocese. And I am just, I'm very, very grateful, very thankful um, because they are not afraid to, man, they are not afraid to lay down, <laughs> lay it down and, and, and uh, challenge people. So, and I'm, I'm grateful for that as well. So those are my two one joys for the week. Well, and, and on that same note, it's good for our youth especially our young guys mm-hmm. to see these young priests because then it opens up a new window for them as, Oh, priests just aren't these old guys. No priests are these young guys who they'll play basketball with you. They'll have a good time. Like it's important for, for young men to see that as well. I think um, since we were on the topic of youth ministry, but yeah. And of course uh, no disrespect, obviously from your end of, the older priests, because I, I sometimes get in trouble when I say like, I needed a young priest growing up as a witness. And then I've had older priests come up to me and say, what about us old guys? It's like, yes, of course you have a <laughs> right. special right. place yes. in my yes. heart too, yes. but yes. I also yes. need young priests. Um, but yeah, I, well, thank you, Emma, for that um, shout out. I apologize for rolling my eyes when you said you had a second one joy because you made up <laughs> for it with that. But I will also say that- I didn't even notice. Um, <laughs> but I, I will also say that part of why I got interested in reading that book on St. Joseph was because you actually came out to uh, my parish last month and you gave a talk on St. Joseph, which had both some catechesis to it as well as your own personal testimony. And I think that's what actually sparked me to go to it. So I, so I do think as well that there's something about um, women who are living out their faith and like can call a man on. Uh, to become all that he was created to be. There, there's a special way in which a woman can do that. A man can do that for another man. Um, but when a, a woman kind of like calls a man to uh, grow in his masculine genius, as you use that phrase, and to become all that God created him to be, there's something that challenges a man to do that as well. So I, I will credit you for um, inspiring me to kind of uh, take my relationship with St. Joseph more seriously and desire to grow in that um, identity as a spiritual father. So yeah. thank you. Well, praise God. It was all the Lord's work. And yes, I'm grateful even for the older priests in the diocese, too. Like, I don't mean that like I'm forgetting Me them. Me um, But I, I do think I there, is, there is a beauty to for, like I said, our young people to see these young men who have said yes to following the Lord and, and the topic of youth ministry and such. I thought that that was, I was just very grateful for that. So, so yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, another wonderful topic. Thanks, Mary-Kate, for making us think so all right well father would you like to close us in prayer yeah let's do it in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen mm-hmm. god we thank you for the blessings in our life particularly those we experienced at a young age if we can recall those moments where uh, you touched our hearts in a particular way to turn towards you more fully to give our lives to you more fully for those of us listening who had a positive experience with youth ministry, we just thank you for the blessing of that time. We pray for all youth ministers, uh, past, present, and future, as that you would stir up in all of us this desire to um, serve our youth and to help them become all that it is that you're calling them to be. And we ask this to Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Father Son, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, well, thanks, everyone. Until next time, know that we're praying for you. See ya.